So good morning, you guys. We're going to do something a little interesting. I brought a slideshow to show everybody some cool stuff about how great our God is. I think it's going to be kind of fun. I actually did this lecture, lesson, preaching, whatever you want to call it, teaching, whatever I want to call it. I'll call it teaching. Let's call it teaching. There you go. I did this at uh, winter camp this year, um, and I, I had so much fun doing it. I thought, let's do it. I want to do it for, for my church family. I think it'll be kind of interesting. Um, Got a lot of things going on here, so forgive me, you guys. Let's see if this thing works here. Zach promised me that it would work. So if it doesn't work, we'll make it work. Whoop. How do we go back? Hey, here we go. We put an R for race. It worked. Okay, so... I'm going to say a few verses here. Habakkuk 3.3. I chose that as our scripture reading because I don't know about you guys, but I've, I think I sail through Habakkuk when I read yearly through the Bible. But I don't, really don't remember that little, bu- that little book. So uh, I said, hey, here's a cool verse. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. That's nice. Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 48.1. Great is our Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of God, his holy mountain. Uh, Titus 2.13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the word great. God is great. Yeah? Explain that to me. What does it mean in your heart that God is great? What does the word great mean? So we could be thinking, uh, we could be thinking, how great is God? What has God done that's so great? So I might say, if God can do a backflip, he's not that great, because I can do a backflip. Well, I used to be able to do a backflip. Now I'll be in traction and surgery. Uh, can, if I say, God can drive a car, how many here think that's, that's average? That's not great. Yes, most of us can drive cars, right? Some of the kids are going, wow, God can drive a car? <laughs> Probably, okay? But that's the problem with the word great, is that it's all about our perspective. I have a really neat proverb, that, uh, a story. This is not working yet. Hey, there it goes, okay? Have you ever heard of the four blind men and the elephant? Describe the elephant. So four blind men were given the task to feel this elephant and give the description of what this elephant looked like, right? And the first blind man in front said, an elephant is like a big snake. Well, if you're holding the trunk of the elephant, yeah, I guess it would look like that. And uh, the one in the middle there said, actually, no, it's like a tree stump as he's feeling the, the legs of the elephant. Well, yeah, I guess it would feel like a tree stump if you, if you were grabbing just that part. And then what, what are you saying? This is the guy in the center here. What are you saying? It's like a Sheath of lever, leather. Well, he's folding, holding that ear. So yeah, the ears of an elephant are, can be very leathery. And then the guy in the back's like, you're all wrong. It's actually like a furry mouse. <laughs> so if you get that together, it's a snake, it's a tree stump, it's a leather sheath, and it's a furry mouse from their perspective. Well, that's the problem with the word great. That's the, word, that's the problem with the word awesome and fantastic is it all depends on what's in your perspective, what you've seen, what you can do. Right? So today, what I want to do is I want to open up and expand our minds and see some of the great things our God has done and marvel at our great God. So I hope this is kind of fun. I hope it's not boring, although I saw the laces just yawn, so maybe I need to speed this up. I'm just kidding, you guys. 
Uh, but, but let's just have some fun with this here. Does anybody know what that is? So it's not a Ford. Sorry, Robert. Um, but thank goodness it's not a Dodge, so it runs, right? That's a Chevy Corvette. It's a t- 2003 Electron Blue Chevy Corvette, and it is my dream car. I have wanted this car since 2003, since I drove one in the desert in Las Vegas and just loved this car, right? This is, it, if I had an idol, it would kind of start to look like this, right? So I'll, I'll keep from getting idolatrous. What's that? Exactly. That's a good question, right? So what if I said that God is great because he created and thought up all of the elements that this car is made with? All the, the carbon, all the metal, the different alloys that go in this car, that's how great God is. See, that's, that's great, right? To me, I'm going, that's great. Our God is great, I love our God. Then I can prove that with Scripture. If we go to John 1.3, I could say, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. This car was made because of our great God. Amen? Amen. There you go. I got an amen from the front there. Right? Then if I say, well, let's look at... Oh, where did my thing go here? Does anybody know what that is? That is a hunk, a piece, a small piece of platinum. And each one of those little tiny dots is an atom. There are 27,000 atoms represented in that picture, right? Now, if we read Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, he is holding that together. Jennifer's grandfather one time was witnessing to me because I, I wasn't really walking with Jesus, and, and he, so Jennifer's grandfather was a, was a welder on nuclear submarines in the 50s, right? He was part of our nation's triad. Uh, he was a plumber, a master plumber. He ran, uh, he built most of the hotels in Las Vegas with plumbing, right? Um, he was a horseman. He was a countryman. He hayed. Uh, he was just a renaissance man. And in his later, later in life, he became, uh, he, he followed Jesus Christ as his Savior. Uh, and then he became a prison pastor. And so I've looked up to this man for my whole life. Uh, and just shortly, a few years before he died, he said to me one time, he said, hey, John. And I said, yeah, Grandpa, what's up? He said, uh, what's the smallest part of stuff? <laughs> I said, what, Grandpa? I said, you mean like atoms and things? And he says, yep. Is that, is, that small, is that the smallest thing, is atoms? I said, well, no, Grandpa. Atoms are made up of things. Well, what are they made up of? And I thought... The way he was leading me down this rabbit trail, I thought, Grandpa, you know this stuff, don't you? I mean, you used to weld on nuclear submarines. I hope you know what an atom is, you know? I hope you know what protons and neutrons and electrons are. He made me go all through this thing, and finally he said, and, I said, and he said, well, what do they do? I said, well, they spin, Grandpa. He said, why do they spin? I said, so they hold together, that they're spinning. And he said, what makes them spin? And I thought to myself, Jesus makes those spin. And he holds all things together. It's in the Bible. Yeah, electron, electromotive force and all, whatever. What, we, we have a name of it, but that doesn't make it wonderful, does it? It doesn't get rid of the wonderfulness, does it? Like Jesus is holding all things together. All of us are being held together right now because Jesus is thinking about all of us. That's how great our God is. And he's holding my car together. 
Hopefully, I can hold it together long enough that I can get it one day. Think of how fast I could do ministry if I was in that car, y'all. Oh, man, I just said, that would be awesome. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims your handiwork. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I love this picture. In there are thousands of stars, hundreds of galaxies, and that's just a piece of our night sky. That's just a small, small piece. And every one of those pinpricks, every one of those pricks of light, these little tiny things, right, every one of them is held together by our great God, was imagined by our great God, was put in that sky by our great God. And you know why he did it? So that we could divide the day from the night. So we'd have something to look at. Isn't that incredible? I love that fact that our God said, yep, I'm going to put some stars out there. And there were stars. And there they are. There is living proof that our God is great. The heavens declare your greatness, O Lord. And yes, they do. These next couple of stars are my favorite. And I'll tell you why here. So on the, on the left, uh, your left, my right, is Pallades or the sisters. Have you ever seen that in the night sky? Looks like a group of, real group of bright stars right there. And then on the right is Orion, right? We have inside Orion, there is the Orion Nebula right there, the Orion's belt, okay? You can see his feet and his shoulders and his head, right? That was placed by our God. Why? So that we'd have things to look at in the sky, right? This is kind of a cool thing. Now, I want to show you something really interesting have you, uh, if you want to go to Job chapter 38, we're only going to be there for a minute, but I'll, I'll read it off for you. Uh, verse 31 to 32, 33, this is God speaking. He says, can you bind the chains of Pallades or loose the cords of Orion? See, God did that. He can do that. He did that and it's done, right? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children's? Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can you establish their rule here on earth? See, that's God speaking. He did that because he's asking Job, can you do these things? Can we do these things? No, God did, right? Have you ever wondered what a Maseroth is? I'm going to show you what a Maseroth is. That is a Maseroth. Now, you guys are thinking, what's the big deal? So here in the, at Earth, we have a picture annually every month a new constellation comes and dominates our night sky. Now, there's hundreds of constellations, but this Maseroth travels slowly as we travel around the sun, travels, and we get to see this Maseroth at night. This is part of it. This is another part of it. Boom, boom, all the way around. I want you to think of how special God thinks we are in the fact that if this Maseroth, if, if the earth was anywhere else in space, it would not be able to see the Maseroth. It would not be a complete picture. Yet God says, can you place the what is it, Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children? Can you do this? God did. And that's how special he thinks we are. He, he's given us something to look at. Obviously, he didn't know that YouTube was coming. I'm joking. Of course he knew that U2 was coming. But isn't that cool? That's a Maseroth. I did not know what that was until I looked it up last year. I'm going, no fooling. That's a Maseroth. And then the last part of that says, or can you guide the bear with its children? This is what he's talking about. 
Ursa minor, which is on top, and Ursa major, which is on the bottom, right? We call that the bear, the little bear and the big bear, right? The bear with its children. Here's what's neat about this bear. So for me, that's a, that's a navigational point. The last star right here is Polaris. I don't know why I'm doing that. I've got a laser pointer. I'm going to do my laser pointer. Hold on. Here we go. Ready? Laser pointer. Don't look at it. That is Polaris right there, right? Which is the North Star, which sailors and, and other woodsmen have been using the North Star for, for aeons and millennia and all that kind of fun stuff, right? And if you take the, if you take the Big Dipper, and then over here somewhere is going to be Cassiopeia. Do you see that upside down, that M right there? Right? I got a laser pointer. Thank you. You see that constellation right there? Looks like an M. That's Cassiopeia. And if you take your hand on the bear and your other hand on Cassiopeia and bring them together like that, in the center, you will find Polaris. That's how you find the North Star, if you can see those two constellations, because they're easier to find than the North Star, because the, the constellation uh, uh, Ursa Minor is really dim, right? The North Star is the only thing in that, in that's, that area that's, that's not dim. So anyway, isn't that cool? See, God put that there. He put that there for signs and seasons and the determined days. He also put that there so we can navigate. And as a sailor, you guys, when I was on ship, we have the, on, on, all, on all ships on the bridge wings, they have these things called the big eyes. They're these huge binoculars. And uh, I used to love to stare at uh, Saturn because you can actually see its rings with these binoculars. I used to love to stare at Jupiter because you could see some of the moons of Jupiter cruising around. I would just, I would just stare at there until the, the quartermasters would kick me off the bridge wings and say, get out of here, you know. But I love the stars because they are guides. I have navigated by stars. I have navigated open, in open ocean by stars. I have navigated in the woods by stars. Uh, incidentally, I'm letting my survival instructor out here. If you want to navigate by a star, you have about 15 minutes to do that because they move enough that it will no longer be on the point of direction that you want. So every 15 minutes, you have to pick a new star. The good news is there's lots of stars to pick, right? That's the good news. All right. Um, does everybody, everybody look right there, right in between those two stars? There's a really dark area, right? Really dark. There's no visible stars in that area until we do this. That area is there. This is called deep field. The Hubble telescope in 1995 took this picture and then the, the new James Watt telescope took it again in 2013. Uh, and there's, it's even more spectacular. We'll see that at the end of this show. But this, these lights, these galaxies, look at all the galaxies are there. Each galaxy is estimated to contain uh, at least 100 million stars. Each galaxy can, in, in here, and there's at least 1,000, 2,500 galaxies pictured here, right? Think about all those stars. And, and all those galaxies, right? And they're in this black part of space that we can't see. Here's how awesome our God is. Here's how great our God is. This picture could not have been taken until 1995, yet these stars were still there. They're still hanging out waiting for us to discover them. And as we discover them, as man it gets more creative and gets bigger and better telescopes, there's more things for him to see, and God says, you're welcome. This thing has been hanging out forever, for eternity, right? Isn't that great? See, that's how great our God is. 
He's not only great when he creates the earth and creates the, the stars in heaven and creates the, the light and says, let there be light, and there was, but he, he has a picture for us to find light. What are we going to find in 100 years? Isn't that awesome? I love that. God is so great. All right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. Everybody go to Genesis chapter 1. If you have trouble finding it, it's the first book of the Bible. You're welcome. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. Does anybody ever hear that and just think to themselves, What does that mean? My goodness. Are you ready for this? This is awesome. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. You know what God did? He created an atmosphere. The clouds you see are the waters that are above. And the waters that we see in the lakes and the rivers and the ocean are the waters below. That's all he did. He made an atmosphere. And he made that atmosphere perfect. Dr. Mike, if, if we had 2% more oxygen in our atmosphere, what would happen to our bodies? We would not survive. If we had 1% less oxygen, what would happen? We would not survive. It is perfect. Just enough nitrogen, a lot of nitrogen, just enough hydrogen, a few fluorocarbons for flavor, and some <laughs> oxygen. And we have our sky, right? And, and it is perfect. God saw that it was good, and the second evening and the day, the second day. Isn't that awesome? And that's our sky. We take it for granted because every day we do this. Thousands of times a day, hopefully, right? But what happens, Miss Donna, when you can't do that? You go to the hospital, huh? We're so glad you're here, ma'am. Thank you so much for being here. Praise God for you, right? Here's one of my favorite pictures. Anybody remember seeing this picture? Anybody, anybody as a kid ever see the Blue Marble show on PBS? Blue Marble, the great, this is that picture, Right? This is a cool picture. Now let's read what, what, what happened here. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was, all his people say, good. Because our God is great. He created that. We see the oceans. We see the land. We see the land masses. We see the clouds that he created the, the, the waters he brought together in the, in the atmosphere, it is good and it is perfect and he is a great God. This is our home. Everybody here that was born uh, before 1972, say hi, because you're there. You're smiling and waving. You're, you're, this is your picture, right? Um, interesting fact about this, this picture was taken in 1972 by Apollo 17. Um, it was the first time that the entire globe was pictured here uh, because you have to be 20,000 kilometers away from Earth to get this snapshot. It's actually, there are few pictures of the whole Earth like this because the space shuttle does not go 20,000 kilometers away from Earth. It does not get this view. They were about five hours and some minutes away from Earth when they got this picture. And this picture was not choreographed. Some of you guys who are space nuts, you know that that uh, NASA, when it sends a mission out, 
it choreographs everything to the minute. Every picture taken, every rock sample, every experiment, everything, right? It has to account for all the astronauts that are, what they're doing up there, and their oxygen levels, by the way. So an astronaut saw that, and, and I say an astronaut, because all three astronauts that were in that capsule claimed this picture, but only one of them took it, right? <laughs> and so an astronaut saw that and said, I gotta have this picture, and snap. And this is, this was one of a, this is a one-of-a-kind picture for over 50 years, one of a kind, right? We'd never seen our planet together like that before, from that distance, perfect like that. And so uh, that was 1972, and then, uh, yeah, and this is the most reproduced picture in history because everybody wants a picture of our Earth, right? Now, let's take that same look, and we're going to see our Earth from the moon. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Some of you guys are thinking, we didn't land on the moon, whatever, Okay, maybe we didn't, I don't know, but it's still a pretty picture, right? All right. To the, <laughs> to the left, that's for my conspiracy theorist fans. To the left, that's the Earth, that arrow denotes the Earth from Saturn. You can see the readings of Saturn. That's Cassini spacecraft took that picture, right? Maybe. Conspiracy theorists, there you go, right? <laughs> and then to the right, this is a, another family portrait, because right here, let's see, uh, you can barely see it. I can barely see it. I can't see it. Oh, there. Right there is Neptune, and then Saturn's in that picture, and Pluto's in that picture. Almost all the planets are in that picture, and there is Earth. And this is taken from Voyager before it left our solar system permanently, right? The, uh, just a few moments before it was ready to, to get out of our outer solar system space, they turned it around and took that picture, and there you go. 883 million miles from Earth is when that picture was taken. And again, that was 20, 2003, so everybody say hi, because you're, you're in that picture. That's your family photo. Isn't that cool? I love that picture. All right. There is our Milky Way. There we are, right there. If you took the quarter, took a quarter, and it represented our solar system, our complete solar system, and took the North American continent representing the, uh, the, the Milky Way, that would be the size that you're talking about, one quarter versus the continent of North America, including Canada. So neighbors up north, you're, you're in on that, right? There are 2,000 billion, or 200 billion stars plus. Uh, it's 120,000 light years across. It moves at 2.2 million kilometers an hour. This thing is trucking, right? Uh, we're in it. And uh, it would, if you started counting stars, it would take you 2,500 years to count. So everybody begin, right? So Jesus, if he was still alive, would still be counting. Fair enough, okay? Light year is 180,000 uh, uh, miles per second times one, or 5.88 trillion miles per second. So that's, that's a light year. So think about the distances that we're talking about here. Huge distance. Our God created that. Our God thought that into existence, and that makes him great. And this is just one of countless galaxies that we live with. And this is where, this is our home, you guys. You are currently right there. Isn't that cool? Our God is great. All right, moving on. This is kind of fun. And God, see, uh, everybody go to just down the road here, 
to Genesis uh, 1, chapter 14, or verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be, in, let them be lights in the expanse of heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Those are stars. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And this is what he did that fourth day. This is our sun. Ball of gas, hydrogen, just enough helium, a little bit of nitrogen sprinkled in there, uh, trillions of, of explode, atomic explosions every second, and this is our sun, Right? Some of the cool stuff about our sun, I can't read you because I put the wrong one up. All right, 93 million miles away, uh, 100 times the diameter of Earth, and it takes eight minutes from the surface of the sun to, uh, to, to your skin to warm you during a summer day. Eight minutes to travel, that light, that heat, okay? Pretty cool, huh? There's the happy sun. And this is the angry sun. Don't make the sun angry. These are actual pictures, you guys, of sunspot activity. Uh, these are not doctored. I love the happy sun. He is so happy, isn't he? He looks like, like my uncle. I think he's got a double chin. I'm not sure. I love that sun. That's, that's my, that's my bit. So our sun is the biggest, uh, biggest star in the galaxy, right? No, you're absolutely right. There is our sun way down over there, and there's one of the biggest stars in the galaxy. 38 times, 3,800 times the size of our sun is the largest known star that's been captured or that's been, that's been discovered, right? To give you kind of a, a little idea there, uh, here's, here we have Orion, and we have Betelgeuse, and here's Betelgeuse, which is still, I know, don't say it three times. How many times did I say it? Anyway. So that, that star, that, that's, that B star, we won't name it again, uh, is right there. There's our sun, and it's still not the biggest sun or star in the sky. And yet our God put that there. Our God holds that together. See, that's how great our God is. Our God imagined it. Our God said it's going to be so. It was so, and it is so, and it's still doing what it was supposed to do when our God imagined it. That's how great our God is. I love our God. He is so great and awesome and awesome to be praised. There's our moon. The lesser for the night, right? There's our little moon. Oh, everybody say, oh, oh. And if you look closely, you'll see the American flag. Nah, just kidding. It's not funny. I mean, it's there, I'm sure. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those theorists, right? Uh, this was taken by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter spacecraft in the 2000, early 2000s. You guys didn't know there was a Lunar Orbiter spacecraft going on right now but they're, they're trying to figure out how to get men permanently on the moon. Men and women, ladies, you can go there too if you want. It is 238,000 miles away from Earth. Fun fact, the pull of the moon is slowing the Earth's rotation called tidal breaking. It's increasing the length of our day by 2.3 milliseconds every century. Do you feel the slowing? A little bit, right? This increases the distance from the Earth 1.5 inches annually. The thing's going away from us. One day, isn't it interesting, our moon will be gone. It will no longer be having the same effects. Think about that for a second. Think about what our moon does. 
That moon makes tidal waves, tidal action on our earth. Tides go in, tides go out. If it's far away, what's going to happen to the tidal action, right? Interesting. Our God put that there to do that. And if it's not there, huh, do you think God's going, oh, crud, it's moving 1.5 inches away annually. What am I going to do? I think he's got a plan for that, you guys. I'm not sure, right? Uh, we landed, the first manned uh, visit to, Earth, to the moon was 1969. And you guys, of course, know the, the famous uh, line, one small step for man, for mankind. There you go. Psalm, Psalm 19.1 again. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And this is my favorite picture of this whole talk. Ready for this? The heavens declare your glory, and the sky above declares your handiwork. That is the Whirlpool Galaxy. That is M51, discovered by Mr. Messier. In 1773, he found this thing. Seven, think about that. What happened in 1776, three years later? So he discovered this galaxy before our nation was declared, before our Declaration of Independence was declared. Isn't that crazy? And look at this thing. This is beautiful. So this is a spiral galaxy, obviously, right? And there's a galaxy next to it that this little guy is borrowing some, <laughs> okay, this guy's eating the other one, right? <laughs> it happens, right? And, I, and I'm showing you this picture. I want, I want you guys to understand that galaxies do eat one another and stars do blow up because we're going to talk about that in just a few moments here. But look at this beautiful, beautiful thing here in space. It's located near the Big Dipper, okay? Um, it is... 23 million light years away. It's great. It has greater than 100 billion stars. It's 60,000 light years across. Um, it is southwest of Ursa Major's tail, and it's discovered by Char- Charles Messier in 1773. Right? Here's why I'm showing you this picture. Look carefully at this picture. It has our God is awesome. Our God is great. Our God put this in the sky, and our God signed it. You ready for it? He 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 signed this thing. That is the center of that galaxy. What does that look like, y'all? That's a cross, right? It's, uh, scientists have said, well, it's probably two dust clouds coming together, blah, blah, blah. No, it's a cross. <laughs> That's God's signature. That's how we know God made it. He, he tagged it. There you go. He tagged it, right? I love that part. And this is a message of the cross, you guys. Uh, it's formed by what's believed two dust rings crossing large black, uh, black hole formed in the center of this galaxy. And I, wanna, I want you guys to see, think about this for a second. This is the only time that this picture could have been taken. It, Charles Messier didn't see this because he didn't have X-ray, spectrograph, blah, 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 right? This was only discovered about 10 years ago. And so we, this is a message for us. Why is the cross a message for us today? because it's going to be really, really important when God comes back. When he comes back, well, what's going to happen? He's going to claim this earth. He's going to remake this, this, these, these stars. He's going to remake everything, right? And so our time is really slipping through. John 3.16, you guys know this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so none shall perish. Whoever believes in him, none shall perish. None shall perish. That's his heart. That's our great, great God's heart. He doesn't want us to perish. 
He doesn't want our family members who don't understand him to perish. He doesn't want the Agrito Indians in the Philippines that have never heard his name to perish. He doesn't want the, the billion Muslims who don't believe in him to perish. He doesn't want the, the Chinese to perish. He doesn't want the Russians to perish. He doesn't want anybody on this planet, whether we have a hang-up with them or not, he doesn't want them to perish. And this is the message of the cross. You guys know this. I'm speaking to God's children but here's the thing, you know God's children, you know people who are not God's children. And what are you doing about it? Are you sending that message to the cross? Are you talking to people about that? I have an aunt who I'm going to call today. I want her to hear the message one more time. She's heard it from me thousands of times. She's going to hear it again and again and again. And I want you guys to do the same for your family and your friends and the how many of you guys are going to go to uh, lunch after this and go to a restaurant? Nobody? <laughs> well, forget what I was going to say then. That's the first time in history that ever happened. All right. Everybody go to uh, Romans chapter 8. Amy was afraid I wasn't going to preach on Romans chapter 8, but it, of course it's me. No, no, no. I'm not going to say it now. You, you missed your chance. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm scrubbing that out of my notes. All right. Romans 8, <laughs> it's okay, I'll, I'll get over it. Verse 20, look at these things here. Anybody know what those are? Those are dying stars. They've blown up. Those are nebula, right? This is aptly called the God's Eye Nebula, the Hourglass Nebula, and I forget what that one's called. It doesn't matter. He's like, yeah, it does. I'm important nebula too. Anyway, these are dying stars. And we see, this, we see this death in Romans 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth. Think of these, things, these stars as groaning, God's creation groaning. Our great God put these there. These things have blown up. They're groaning. They're waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for Jesus to return. They were waiting for him to get on the cross and be buried, and three days, three days later rose again. By the way, that's called the gospel. That's the good news. Take that with you. And now they're groaning. What are they waiting for now? See, here's a cool thing. Everybody go to John chapter 1. I was reading this the other day, and, and, and I had never seen this message before, and it, it kind of floored me. Because, think about this, I'm going to read it for you real quick. Verse 6, John 1, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This was written 2,000 years ago by the by the author, John, right? Because he was talking about the first coming of Christ. Here's what's interesting. We are now, we are now those light bringers again. We are the messengers of the light of Christ because guess what? He's coming back. This is the, our, our history is about to repeat itself. Isn't that awesome? And it falls onto our shoulders to be, we're not the light, but we are the messenger of the light, aren't we? Amen? And our world is getting dark, you guys. 
Our country is getting dark. Our Congress is getting dark. Our banks are getting dark. Our schools are getting dark. Our, our fair community of Davenport and Reardon and Odessa, these places are getting dark. There is wickedness happening. Demons are freely roaming the streets and are, and are subjecting our children to nastiness and are tempting them and they are succumbing to sin. And the light is coming back. We are the bearers of that message. We need to be the bearers of that message. The galaxy is groaning. The universe is groaning. Our world is groaning. It is time that we take that message to the streets. I just thought that's a really cool picture. You know what that is? That's the Milky Way. Isn't that cool? Isn't that beautiful? On a dark desert night, cool wind in my hair. That's another galaxy. I can't remember the name, but there are two more little galaxies right there. This is my, this next one is my favorite. I know, I've got lots of favorites. Just ask the, the youth leaders. Isn't that cool? That's, that is called the sombrero. I don't know why. By, defini- by, by comparison, our galaxy is a thousand times smaller than that. This is huge. This is in the night sky is humongous, right? And then finally, the last picture I want to show you tonight, today, that is the ultra deep field taken by the James Watt telescope. So the Hubble took that picture and then it took the one earlier and that's the, the bigger one. The aperture was left open for 10 years <laughs> and that's what it found, right? All these galaxies, the heavens declare your greatness, O Lord, and the handiwork, your handiwork. And that's So what does this say about God's handiwork? He is a great, great God. And think about how great his love is, how patient his love is, how much he loves you. So I mean this. If you have not heard the gospel message before, now is the time to accept that. You have to decide yes or no. By the way, I'll think about it is a no. Okay? It is a no. It really is. Um, So think about that. And if you know people, if you, are, if you are children of God and you know people that have not heard that gospel, do them the favor today. Hurry up today because people are dying every day and God's getting closer to coming back every day. I don't know when he's coming. Maybe now? Okay, not today. Not right now. But maybe. So get on that horn, you guys. Get on that phone. Don't, you know, when you're looking up YouTube, cool, but, but take a minute to, to call somebody, so. There you go. Our great, our great, great God loves us very much. And he did this for us to look at the skies. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for being a great, great God, Lord. Thank you for loving us and being our God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on that cross so that we could live forever and ever with you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen.